0: Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 12. Let's see if we can shift gears after that. Amen. Actually, I had another story in mind about the home, but I got messed up. I had a senior moment. Went told the wrong joke. Amen. So once I got into it, I said, "Okay, you guys told me to tell it. Amen. Uh, You want to hear the other one? Come on. You want to hear the other one? Come back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Amen. John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Jump over to verse 9. A great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came, watch this, not for Jesus' sake only, in other words, not just to see Jesus, but that they might also see Lazarus whom he raised from the dead. Look at verse 10. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. If you look up the word miracle, if you look up the word miracle in the Webster's Dictionary, it says a miracle is an act or an event that apparently contradicts known scientific law. Now, the problem with that definition is one word, the word apparently. Apparently, uh, Mr. Webster inserted that word apparently, right? And by putting that word in there, it casts some shadow on the miracle. It questions the validity of the act or event. For example, she had cancer, but apparently she's healed. He was a drug addict, but apparently He's clean now. See how that sounds? Lazarus was dead, but apparently he rose from the dead. Well, Lazarus didn't apparently rise from the dead. Jesus resurrected this man. It is a fact. This man was dead, and Jesus resurrected him. Somebody say amen. Now, most of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus, right? What I'm about to share with you is found in John chapter 11. Lazarus was a follower, a believer. In fact, Jesus referred to him as his friend. Lazarus did not travel with the Lord. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles, right? I think he owned like a vineyard or a ranch. I think he had a big house. And I think whenever our Lord came to Bethany, the apostles would stay there and his sisters would cook for the apostles. Lazarus, I think, I believe this, I think even though he didn't travel with the Lord, he would sow seed into his ministry. And so Lazarus was a believer. Then he got sick. So Martha, his sister, gets a courier, a messenger, and goes and finds the Lord and sends a message, a prayer request. Your friend Lazarus is sick. Come and pray for him. Right? Jesus gets the prayer request. But he tells the apostles, our friend Lazarus is sick, but we're not going to go pray for him. This sickness is not a sickness unto death, but it's for the glory of God. So, wow, okay. Martha probably assumed, well, he's healed all kinds of people. Surely he'll come and heal his friend. Now, last night we talked about healing. And we said that Jesus heals. Amen. We mentioned last night how God heals, right? But some people say, then why didn't God heal my grandma? Why hasn't God healed my baby? Why hasn't, if God can heal everybody, why doesn't God heal everybody? Ask me why. Why? Come on, ask me why. why. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. I'll tell you what I do know. All I know is God does heal, God can heal, and I believe God will heal. But why God doesn't heal some and not others, I don't know. That's the providence of God. God does what he wants. Somebody say amen. But I still believe in the healing power of God. Our friend Lazarus dies. So Martha sends another prayer request, or actually a notification, right? Because in Vicarage, we don't pray for the dead. Once they're in eternity, it's over. Once you go into eternity, just like the little story I told, it's all over. Amen. Okay. So Jesus makes the announcement and says, our friend Lazarus is dead. Now let's go to Bethany. And I'm sure the apostles, it's too late now. But how many know as long as Jesus is on the scene, it's never too late. All right. So as Jesus gets to the house, Martha is livid. Martha, you know what the word livid means? L-I-V-I-D. Uh, it's when you borrowed your, your sister's car and you told me to be back in an hour and you kept the car for three days. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Martha was living. She was so mad. She ran out the house. She didn't even wait for our Lord to come into the house. That's when you know your wife is mad when she stands at you at the garage. When your wife is standing in the, in the driveway, you're pulling in. Oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. Come on, somebody. Martha runs up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you would have been there like I asked you, my brother wouldn't have died. Do you see what she's doing? You do? What is she doing? She's blaming Jesus for the death of her brother. So many people go through tragic events. They lose a parent. They lose a son. They lose a spouse. Right? They get sick. They lose a business. And they want to blame God for their trouble. Come on, somebody say amen. My mom was a Catholic. Not like you. Not like you and me. I was a Catholic too, but I go to confession on Thursday, but eat a cheeseburger on Friday. Yes, you did too. My mom prayed the rosary every night, had every statue of every saint in our house. I mean, she had them all. And she knew what saints to pray to according to your need. If you're really a good Catholic, you would know this. But I know you don't know this because you weren't that good of a Catholic. Is this working? For example, if you're going to go on a trip, if you're going to go on a journey, who would, what saint would you pray to? See, you don't know. St. Christopher. He's the patron saint of traveling. If you're going to buy a dog or a cat, yeah, I know, and you want to get a good dog or a good cat, or your dog got sick because some of you are dog lovers. You, uh-huh. Uh huh. Some of your dog lovers. Amen. Okay. Well, you pray to what saint? Good. Of Assisi. Very good. Who said that? You get a raise, girl. Raise your hands and praise him. Because that's, that's the only kind of raise you're going to get. But very good, Meha. Huh? All right. See so if you do this one now. If you lost something, and you're already saying, oh, no, huh? Were you Catholic? Okay, me too. That's it. I don't want your whole life story. <laughs> me too. Um, if you lost an earring or a necklace and you lost something, you'd pray to a saint to find it. Very good, St. Anthony. So I come home from school one day, and St. Anthony is facing the wall like this. All the other saints are facing the living room. St. Anthony is up against the wall. I said, Mom, why is St. Anthony facing the wall? I'm mad at him. I go, why? Because she goes, I lost an earring, and until I find it, he faces the wall. I'm not making that up. It's like the little boy that for Christmas you know, he wanted a, a, a bicycle. He wanted a, he wanted a bicycle. And he told his mom, I want a bike for Christmas. She says, well, pray and ask Jesus. Christmas Day he rolled around. He got a pair of roller skates. Ooh, he was mad. He was mad. He didn't want roller skates. He wanted a bike. So he went in the room and grabbed the statue of Mary, the mother of Jesus, wrapped her in a blanket, stuck it under his bed. He said, okay, Jesus, until I get my bike, you don't get your mother back. That is so bad. (laughs) But you'll be telling that one tomorrow, amen? Martha was mad at Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus makes a stunning announcement. He said, your brother, hallelujah, shall rise again. Martha decides to get into a religious discussion. How many know there's two good things that we're good at arguing, politics and religion? We know how to flick it on just like that. Everybody got an opinion. And she said, well, I know in the last days we'll all be resurrected from the dead. And I believe in the resurrection. And, you know, I know we're all going to one day be resurrected. But, yeah, Jesus said, honey, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now you can scream. No, you, Filipina, you're supposed to scream, amen. There you go. Come on, it's Saturday night, let's have some fun, amen. So there you go. So Jesus makes a stunning request. He says, take me to the tomb. And so they escort Jesus over to the tomb. Now in Israel, they take you to these places where they have tombs. And uh, they have like a trough there with a big round stone. And you roll it across and you roll it back. Right? And so the stone was, was rolled across the door. Jesus said, roll back the stone. And again, Martha gets in his way. He says, wait a minute. My brother's been dead four days. His body is already decomposing. It stinks. You know why sometimes you and I don't experience the miracles that we want to experience? It's because we get in the way, amen. Just like Martha, we get in the way. Wait, Lord, wait, we can't roll back that stone. He, his body already stinks. Jesus and Martha, Martha, if you would only believe, then you would see the glory of God. Yeah. See, in the world, what does your family tell you? What do your friends tell you? Well, if I see it, I'll... If I see it, I'll... That's in the world. But in the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite. If you believe it, you'll see it. Somebody say amen. How many of you have been to Disneyland? Most of us have been there. or At least you know about it. Walt Disney opened, opened Disneyland in 1955, the year my wife was born. And his vision was to open up those theme parks around the world. Okay. They have one now in Paris. I believe they have one in the Orient someplace, Asia, China or someplace. Uh, and then the second one, of course, is in Florida. When they opened Walt Disney World, right, which was the second one, Walt Disney died. But on the ribbon-cutting day of the, set, of the opening of Walt Disney World, Mike, uh, somebody said, oh, if only Walt Disney were alive to see this. Mike Vance, the creative director for, the creative director for Walt Disney Studios, said, oh, but he did see it. That's why it's here. Somebody say amen. Huh? Jesus said, if you believe it, you'll see it. So they rolled back the stone. Now, all you theologians, all right. There's the body of Lazarus. But where was his soul? Where was Lazarus' spirit? Huh? Where was he, young lady? Huh? Was he in heaven? Yes or no? No. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Heaven was closed. Huh? No, he went, he wasn't in hell in a sense. He went to a place called uh, paradise. Sheol, right? Uh, He referred to it as Abraham. Very good. Hell had, or Hades actually is called, had two compartments, right? On one side was paradise. When Jesus told the thief on the cross, from this day forward, thou shalt be with me in paradise. He actually took the thief with him into paradise, slapped the devil around, took the keys, and took them all out. Amen. All right. So, that's one side. On the other side, there's a great gulf between them, and the Bible says on the other side was hell. You read about this in, in, in the story of the rich man and the poor man going into hell. All right. Who are the occupants? Of paradise. Who are there? Who are the residents there in Abraham's bosom? All the Old Testament saints. All the believers that died before Jesus went to the cross. They were like saved on credit. Where we look back to the cross, they look forward to the cross. Come on, somebody. they were. Can you imagine the conversations going on down there? Moses saying, guys... He showed me his side. Joshua said, that ain't nothing, man. I saw the walls of Jericho fall down. Elijah said, guys, he picked me up in a fiery chariot. Isaiah said, yeah, but I saw his glory fill the temple. Lazarus showed up and said, guys, I've got you all beat. I had lunch with him. I walked with him. I talked with him. He came to my house. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stands at the door. The Bible says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And then he says, "Lazarus, come forth." Huh? Lazarus, here's that. Huh? Lazarus, roll it up. Shoes the socks, and bring your driver's license. You know what that means, huh? Yeah. You're getting released. Come on, man, roll it up, roll it up. And life comes back into his body. He comes out of the tomb. Come on, somebody. Huh? And that's what Jesus said Do you want to take off those grave clothes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the impact of that miracle? Nobody ever expected to see Lazarus alive again. His sisters never thought they would talk to him again. They never expected Lazarus to come back alive. Just like you. Nobody expected you to clean up your act. Nobody ever thought you'd stop using drugs. Your family gave up on you. Your friends gave up on you. Society gave up on you. Don't ever underestimate the miracle God's done in your life. Do you know tonight... By being here on a Saturday, you are blowing people's minds. When you go to work on Monday or school, what did you do on Saturday? went to church. Church! We went to church Thursday night. We went to church Friday night. We went to church Saturday night. And then top it off, we went back to church on Sunday. Who in the heck goes to church for four days in a row? People who love Jesus! Come on, somebody. When I got saved, guys, I literally disappeared off the streets of my neighborhood. I got arrested, thrown in the county jail, and that's where I got saved, uh, the old county jail. Uh, I got released and went into the home. I, I, I got home. My mom already had my suitcase packed, gave me a sandwich, put me in the car, and drove me to the home. I mean, literally, even my own family, other than my mother and my brother, didn't know where I was. I literally disappeared. In the early days of Church, we would ask you to stay for nine months. That's what they told me. So I stayed for nine months. Now we ask you to stay for a year. Even though some guys stay two, three, four, five years. Amen. Uh, so I got out of the home. I enrolled in Bible college, LABI. And then I, I plugged into the church. None of my homeboys, none of my friends knew what happened to me. One Saturday, I go down to my neighborhood with a pack of flyers in my pocket. I said, I gotta win my homeboys to the Lord. I gotta bring him into the home. So I'm standing on the corner and I see one of my friends. He goes, Philip, man, Philip, what's up, man? Man, I don't remember his exact words, but he goes, You just got out. I said, Well, yeah. Well, I did, I just got out of the home. He said, how much time did you do? I said, nine months. He said, wow, you look good. You put on a few pounds. A few. Watch it now. I'm not the only one. Amen. Um, He said this. I bet you're just dying to get down. Oh, you know what that means, huh? Those of you that went, mm, you know what it means, huh? Well, to those of us who shot heroin, to get down means take a fix. He said, I bet you're just dying to get down. I said, oh, I already got down. Well, I did. I got down on my knees that morning. I get down every morning. Amen. He says, you're high. I said, brother, I found the most high. He said, you found a connection. I said, brother, I met the main connection. He says, is it good stuff? It's pura. <laughs> that means it's pure, right, amen. Huh? I said, you know what, man? Because I've known each other. We were kids. We grew up together. We did time together. I love you, man. I said, I'm going to turn you on. He says, you are? Holmes ain't got any money. I said, you know, since I've known you, since I've known you, since I've known you, you've never had any money. How I many of know there's always one guy in the neighborhood they never had any money, any cigarettes. It was probably you, that's why you're here. Amen. <laughs> I said, stick out your hand. He stuck out his hand. Hurry up, man. Hurry up, man. I reached in my, my pocket and I pulled out a flyer and I slapped it in his hand. And he looked at it. I said, Read it, man. This is exactly what he said. What I lay because you know I was raised, I was raised in a Chicano neighborhood, huh? If I'd have been raised in a black neighborhood, he would have said, say what? <laughs> if i had been raised in a white neighborhood, he would have said, whoa, dude. <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, not you, I can't believe it. I said, yes, me, Jesus got a hold of my life, broke the chain of bondage and set me free. And what God did for me can do for you. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. What impact did this miracle have? All right. Everything I just finished, stop preaching about right now. Everything I've been saying is in in John chapter 11. Now let's go to John chapter 12. That was just my introduction. Took a while to get here, but we're here. Amen. Everybody say "We're we're here. All right, watch this now. All right, three things. How Look at this, how, how this miracle impacted. What effect did this miracle have? Number one, verse nine. If you notice there, well, let's go back to verse 12, verse one and two. Jesus comes back for some follow-up. Come on, follow-up is important. He comes back maybe a month later, two months later, I don't know. But he comes back and he has dinner. And notice the effect this miracle had. Number one, the miracle created an attraction. Look at verse nine. Everybody heard that Jesus is in the house. There is nothing more exciting that can happen to a church than for Jesus to be in the house. When Jesus is in the house, miracles take place. When Jesus is in the house, lives are changed. Somebody say amen. And they came. But notice this, not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus. Lazarus, now, because he'd been raised from the dead, became good bait. The Bible says we're supposed to be fishers of men. The question is do you have the kind of experience and testimony with God that you're good bait? Or are you kind of bait that turns fish off? Ooh, that hurts, huh? Everybody say, ouch. Yeah. See, some Christians have been up and down, in and out, up and down. Some guys have been in the twenty homes. Some girls have been in the ten homes. Hello, somebody. Some people come to church, they're in, they're out, they're up, they're down. Huh? And when they go out to win and oh, shut up, man. We, we you've been telling that story and you never stay, you never stay with God. You'll be back here in a month smoking dope with us. Uh-huh. Lazarus was good beat. People wanted to hear about the miracle. He had boldly went where no one had gone before. Uh They came to see him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Secondly, look at verse 10. The miracle created some adversity. Now, on account of Lazarus being raised from the dead, the chief priest put on a contract, not just on Jesus, but now we've got to take Lazarus out. Every time I come to Northern California, I'm reminded of this story. Because it's true. And it happened in one of my revivals. Pittsburgh, California. Now that church is in Antioch, Pastor Adam. But before that, years before that, I went there to preach, many back in the late 80s. And the pastor there from Victory the Church. we were in the Vogue Theater, having a revival in Pittsburgh, California. Okay, you weren't there, be quiet. <laughs> the pastor got a call from a Baptist church. Their youth pastor had fallen on cocaine. He said, you got you to help me. I'll get my guy restored. He's ripping off everybody in the church, and we love him. But can we put him in your home to get restored? The Victor Irish pastor said, yes. What I just told you, I didn't know. I'm there preaching, and the Lord led me to call him out for prayer. His name was Ron. In fact, we used to call him Ron the Baptist. <laughs> that went right over your head, huh? <laughs> Ron the Baptist. So I called Ron out, and since we were in the theater, I had to call him on stage. And the Lord gave me a word for him. I said, Ron, everything the devil stole from you, God's going to give it back to you. He started crying, yeah, yeah. I said, you're going to get your ministry back. Yeah. You're going to get your anointing back. Yeah. You're going to get your family back, your kids back. Yeah.
1: I said, you're going to get
0: filled with the Holy Ghost. He went, No. No. No, I can't. I can't get through the Holy Ghost. Why? Ask me why. Because Baptists don't believe in speaking in tongues. I said, too late. And I started laying hands on him. He, st- he said, no, no, Brother Philip, I'm a, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. I laid hands on him. He started getting slain in the spirit. As he was going down, he kept saying, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. By the time he hit the floor, he was a Baptist Hallelujah. He got up full of the Holy Ghost. He said, you know, they're going to kick me out of the church. I said, that's all right. You come to Victory Outreach. Amen. Come on, somebody. Say amen. All right. The next night, the enemy attacked. That's why you're going through what you're going through. Because the enemy wants to steal your miracle. He wants to rob you of the blessing. That's why the, the, the Bible refers to the devil as a thief. He wants to steal your miracle. He wants to destroy the work God done in your life. That's why some of you are going through it tonight. All right, watch this. Watch this. He broke out in what we call cyst. Boils, I guess, is the old word. I'm right over here, guys. It boils all over his body. The director freaked out. Now, we train our directors that when there's a medical emergency, they're to take him to the hospital. We pray for them, yes, but we also know you know, we have to take him to the doctor, right? Something real super serious. So the, Ron says, tells the director, call home and get my, are you older remember Medi-Cal stickers? Anybody? There's a thing called Medical stickers. You don't have those no more. Medi-Cal stickers. All right, call home. I got to have my Medi-Cal stickers. He called home. Watch this. At the exact same hour, his wife and kids were hit with the same thing. That's what I said. It was a demonic attack. But the director wrote a prayer request, and we prayed for Ron, we prayed for him, his wife, and his kids, and all four of them got healed and delivered. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, Lazarus, because Jesus resurrected from the dead, became a target for the enemy. He was a bait for the kingdom of God, but for the devil, he was a target. Some of you, you're a target right now. Why? Because you have an awesome future ahead of you. God's going to raise you up and use you in a powerful way because, see, the devil doesn't want you to discover your place. He doesn't want you to find your place. He doesn't want you to discover God's will and God's plan for your life. Because once you discover God's will and God's plan for your life, you become an armed and dangerous weapon in the kingdom of God. And now we come to verse 11. Look what the miracle accomplished. We see how the miracle created an attraction. We see how the miracle stirred up some adversity. That's why Victor Outreach, we get hit a lot here. And there's one church I have the utmost respect for. It's the Victor Outreach Hayward. Oh my God, the devil threw everything he could at this church. Even the kitchen sink, the bedroom, oh, the lawnmower. I mean, he the enemy came in like a flood and all the sissies and the chavalas, they scattered. But those of you that have stayed faithful to God, God has blessed you. God is blessing this church. Hallelujah. He's going to raise up an army. He's going to pour out revival. He's going to raise up the faithful to be a stay- People start crying, oh, that are gonna fall apart. No, we're not. We're just getting started. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm not really a whole lot into basketball, but uh, I like the Lakers. I know you guys are Warrior fans. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> but we had an announcer, and uh, Chick Hearn. And he said something a long time ago. The Lakers were playing the Celtics in the championship. And one night they got whooped. They just got beat. Why? Because they weren't doing rebounds. And he said, no rebounds. I remember this. No rebounds, no rings. Victor H. you've rebounded. And the ring is coming. Amen. Somebody say amen. This church has rebounded. And the ring is on its way. The reward is coming. Somebody say amen. Verse 11 says, right? Look what verse 11 says. On account of Lazarus being raised from the dead, many Jews got saved. All right, let's go back to the beginning of the message. Rewind the tape. We don't use tapes anymore, huh? The disc or whatever it's called. Remember the beginning? When Jesus got that prayer request? Remember? Huh? Remember? He said, oh, this sickness is not a sickness and a death for the glory of God. This is what he had in mind. He said, man, I'm going to do a work in Lazarus. I'm going to raise him up. And I'm going to use that testimony to win all kinds of Jews. Now, they say that most of your friends are in your age group, right? Uh, Usually, right? Not always the case. I'm 20 some odd years older than your pastor. That was I remember when he was born, amen, watched him grow up. Same way with some of these other Sonny Jr. and some of these others. But for Lazarus and Jesus, they were friends. So that tells me possibly that Lazarus was a young man, maybe in his 40s. Jesus was 33, 34 years old when he went back to heaven. So what I'm saying is, as you begin to play softly for me, Ray, is that Lazarus probably lived on for many years. And he probably had visitors come. I'm going to close with this. Watch this. I'm a good closer. I've been on the close for a half hour at least. People would come to his house. Right? And Martha always had this gift of feeding everybody. Some of you are like that. You're always cooking. You love to cook for people. You know, you know who you are. You love to cook. We're going to your house after church. Amen. And I think anytime Lazarus had some guests, family or friends, or like Thanksgiving, they didn't have Thanksgiving, but you know, they had Shabbat, whatever. He said, come on, let me show you something. Come on. He'd go out in his backyard, up against the hill. Lazarus was rich. And if you had money, you could actually buy and have your own tomb on your property. Come on, let me show you something. And he'd take him over to the tomb. And his visitors would say, Why? Why, do you, why are you showing this this ugly, stinking, dark, dank tomb? And the, the, the stench of death still permeated from that hole. Just before I came up here, day before I came up here, uh, we had to catch a skunk in my garage. I don't know how he got in there. I had to call for a guy to come and capture it, take it out. And he took the skunk out, but the smell stayed. Lord have mercy. Huh? Well, that's what it was but Lazarus with tears in his eyes said don't you know I was there in that tomb for four days till one day my Jesus came he stood right there at the door of my tomb and he called me by my name I'm alive because of what Jesus did guys over here don't ever forget the tomb that Jesus took you out of whether it's Hayward The mission district, Oakland, whether it's the ghetto, whether it's Manila, don't ever forget the tomb that Jesus took you out of. I remember my tomb. I shared about it already twice. It's the old county jail in downtown Los Angeles. HOJJ it's called. It's right off the 101 freeway. Just a few blocks from the World Convention Center. I talked about it a little bit last night. And whenever I'm driving through downtown LA, whether I have my grandson or my wife, or if I have a visiting pastor, I'm going through downtown, I go, there it is right there. That's where I was almost 48 years ago when Jesus called me by my name out of that tomb. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. are